Welcome, Wildcats, to another episode, the last episode of the season, unfortunately, of Weber State Weekly's football show. Uh, we are a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Colby Peterson. On our last show of the season, uh, we're welcoming back Stephen Salmon. Stephen, um, sad to see you under these circumstances, but it had to come to an end eventually, right? I Yeah, you know, I think we did better than anybody expected us to this year, so... Yeah, it was a good, good bounce back season after missing the playoffs altogether. Um, so nice. Uh, ran into a juggernaut. I think, you know, I put my bet on Montana State winning the national championship weeks ago. And so my bet's still good, unfortunately. Uh, yep. But, you know, it's uh, no one's been able to stop that run offense. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, let's talk a little bit about today's show. So obviously we're going to be doing a game recap of the game up in Bozeman last weekend. Uh, the second round matchup against number four, Montana State. Then we will take a little bit of a take a trip down memory lane here. To, and we'll a segment I'm calling Thanks for the Memories. We want to talk about some of our best moments or moments that we thought were the best from this season, kind of just reminisce a little bit before we close the books on football 2022. But before we get into all that want to encourage everybody, please subscribe to the show, Fi Stitcher, and um, please share it with uh, your friends and family members that you know are Wildcat uh, sports fans. We'll be getting our basketball shows going this week. And so men's basketball, women's basketball shows, you'll be seeing those pop into your feed going forward. A little bit of that. And then as we get into the spring, we'll also be doing our softball show again. So please, if you have uh, friends or family members who you know are Wildcat fans, tell them, tell them about Weber State Weekly. Help them to find us and um, hopefully we can get them some good information. We're also on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, places to interact with us. Um, last year we did some, we did like Twitter spaces as like watch parties for hoops games. Uh, we may do some more of that this year. Hoops games are a little bit easier to do that with as opposed to football, but uh, we'll try that out. We'll see if uh, folks hop on. Uh, we had a good time last year, so maybe we'll do it again. And then of course, Patreon, you go to patreon.com slash Weber state weekly to support us. Thank you so much to our, our patrons really appreciate you guys. So Steven, let's talk about last weekend. Um, just overall feeling on the game. Um, I mean, I don't know. You go first. What, how, how did you feel about overall matching up against the Bobcats once again? Who I think folks, maybe if you, if you haven't been following closely, you know, the Bobcats have been getting more healthy as the season has gone on, obviously with the return of Isaiah Fonse last weekend. You know, I think we needed to go in and play a, close to perfect game and we played a good game, but they're really, really, really good. And yeah, they're good. the fourth, and I think just as we're upset, they're upset about the four seed. I think that they're, I, I think that they felt slighted that they're the four seed and not the three or the two. Which is kind of annoying. Cause I mean, oh, I mean what are we talking about here? We're splitting hairs. Like they were never going to be the two. They weren't going to be the two. I the know, best but, you were going to get is three. So you're going to move up one. I mean, what does that mean? But I think that that's, I'd say that they're, they're probably matching up with Weber state in yeah. the second round because Weber state was, I don't, I mean, not even arguably Weber state was the best non seeded team in the field and they had to face the wildcats in round two. Um, uh, we'll see what happens this weekend, but uh, if they absolutely blow out William and Mary, then we know where we're at. I don't think, I mean, I've not watched a lot of William and Mary, but they're good. They're good. I think they're good, but are they Montana state good? And it's a long trip for them. I mean, it is. And that game is in Bozeman this weekend. <laughs> and Bozeman is, you know, I grew, you know, I've spent time in the Virginia area. 
you don't get that cold. <laughs> you don't get that cold. And that's something else. That is uh that is something else. That's not something to take lightly is how they're going to respond to not only the cold, but the elevation. Yeah. Elevation is important there. Jeff Millard agreeing with me here in the comments. MSU wins the FCS title. I mean, I think they got a great chance. We'll see how they stack up if they make it to seeing South Dakota state and playing in Brookings. That will be, I think the real national championship game, because I think whoever comes out of the other side, Montana state can probably beat them, but we'll see. Uh, they they got to get there first. I mean, I'm rooting for a Montana State Sac State final. Uh, I mean, I, I'm rooting for it. Big, I, what's good for the big sky is good for Weber. See, but like I, I, I don't know, man. I've just been so the, out on. I know. So what's the, I mean, I think Montana State will smoke. I don't. I would love. They, I would love to see that matchup. I would love it. But like you said, that would mean that the two are facing each other in Frisco and an all big sky. Um, national championship game would be something, wouldn't it be quite something. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the game itself. Uh, we knew Wildcat Bob, you know, the, the Bobcat run game was good and it didn't disappoint. They had 388 yards net on the day, quite a bit, right? 388 yards on the ground against this defense is a lot. It's an awful lot. Uh, Montana state did a really good job of handling the two best run defenses in the conference. And so going forward, should they see a, and we'll see how they handle William and Mary this weekend, but also if, should they get the opportunity to play South Dakota state? Um, that's the best run de- defense in the country so, and it's on the road. So getting the Bobcats away from Bobcat stadium, where I think their home winning streak now is 19. I think it's 19 in a row now. Um, obviously has implications, but, um, I wondered this, you know, because we kind of wanted to look forward to next season with a lot of these questions today. Do you think that the running quarter, the running quarterback was obviously an issue for, for the Wildcats all season? And and it's not just a Wildcats issue. It's an everybody issue. You know, right. a lot of people, a lot of teams are having the same problem because it's tough when they spread you out that much, which is exactly what their offense was designed to do. And it works. But I wondered if there, if teams in the big sky and beyond start to see the success of these running quarterbacks who have some arm, but really are, I mean, would you say that Malat is more run first than anything? Because, right. because I mean, I have to go pull up the stats really quickly, but I mean, I don't think he threw for more than 150 yards on the day. You know what I mean? He's dead, but he rushed for over 200. Right. See what I mean? So like he very much is looking to run the ball and especially in the middle of the field where he's being forced to do that or where he's seeing the opportunity to do that because he's got it. But uh, yeah, Malat only throws for 91 yards in this game. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and he rushes for 167. So, I mean, he's he definitely feels like a run first quarterback, but he does have an arm. Do you think, Stephen, the question here, do you think that the running quarterback becomes a trend in the big sky? And does that become an Achilles heel for the Wildcat defense next season? Because they're going to have to work to answer the bell on stopping it. So, I mean, I think you're seeing it. I mean, look at the two best big sky teams. You've got Sac State with Ash O'Hara, who is very good at running the ball. And the two-headed monster at Montana State, that's very good at running the ball. No, I do not think that's going to be an Achilles heel for the Wildcats next year. I think some important things to remember 
our D line was younger this year. Sure. Our D line was much younger. And also I, in Grant Duff, we trust in Joe, in the deep, in the defense, we trust and the defense has been our bread and butter. And I guarantee you that that's something that they're looking at. And that's something that they're putting on the board and saying, Hey, this is something we need to work on. And it, they're going to work on containing and they're going to work on having spy packages. And there, these are going to be things that are going to be worked on that couldn't necessarily be worked on because our front was younger. So yeah. while we have great guys like Winston Reed, they're being asked to do a lot more because our front was younger. So when you get a more mature front and you get the ability to start knowing, okay, this is what we have to do. We have to, we have to, we have to close off the perimeter. We have to keep our lines so that we aren't getting split open. Then we will be better. But I, I trust that this defense will not let an Achilles heel for this year happen again next year. Mm -hmm. I I trust that that's going to be something that's going to be, a uh, point of emphasis. Yeah. And you're right. Um, there were question marks for us going into the season about the defensive line, how that was going to look. And I think a lot of guys grew a ton. Uh, we saw the emergence of a lot of guys that are really going to be staples next year. And I think you're right in order to deal with the running quarterback, you really have to control the line of scrimmage. And I think as our guys get a little more experience, you know, they probably handle it much better because if you were watching the game on television, like I was, the guy who was doing color noted often that the way to deal with this run quarterback was you had to get penetration and get pressure earlier instead of letting them get to the line or get to the hole before you were going to meet them because they were always going to get at least two yards at that point, right? Like it was very difficult to get a stick and stop them at the line of scrimmage if they were already, you know, hitting with speed. And so the key to that is then, blowing up that play, disrupting by getting through. And, um, you know, kudos to Montana State's offensive line. I mean, they, they have a lot of, there's a lot of movement there. They like to do a lot of things and move a lot of things around. But yeah, I think that that's, you're right, that that's probably going to be an emphasis over the offseason is controlling the line of scrimmage a little bit more and not letting teams do what they want to do and set those things up and make them work a little bit harder to do it so that you don't see a 388 yard day on the ground again. Jeff Millard asking Creighton Cooper QB one next year. I don't know, man, it's tough. Uh, you know, Cooper didn't get a lot of reps this year, so he'd have to make some pretty big strides. I think to take the job from Bronson Baron. It's Bronson. It's yeah. Come on, come on guys. We <laughs> see every year. We're like, Oh, it's going to be this person. Oh, it's going to be this person. Yeah. It's Bronson. Yep, it's Bronson so. as long as Bronson wants it to be Bronson. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's some, some, a couple of good quarterbacks that are coming in that head co- uh, offensive coordinator, Mickey mental has re- recruited and right. I don't, but I don't think those freshmen are going to take the job immediately, you know? So it's great. And Cooper going to get a chance. I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens if there are transfers out. Um, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Weber state usually has a pretty good track record with that kind of a thing where, Guys don't transfer out a bunch. Like what we have last year, two, Something two, like that. yeah, just two, and it happens, and we get, and it, yeah, it's, it's always going to happen. And maybe he does, and maybe he doesn't. I think probably what you saw this year 
was more or less them trying to uh, salvage his the, a red shirt year. And I have to go back and I have to look to see if he if he appeared in more than four games. I don't think he did. I, yeah, I don't either because uh, the, the packages that he ran were pretty limited. And so right. you're probably right that they were sort of using this as that red shirt year to say like, okay. Listen. And I think part of it, the issue was last year, Bronson was hurt for most of the year. Yeah. And Kylan was hurt. Yeah, I mean, Kylan breaking his leg at the Cal Poly game, you know, puts the Wildcats in a pinch because then at that point, it's Randall Johnson and Creighton Cooper. And so so Cooper started the game against Portland State, didn't he? I think so. So we didn't have the ability to necessarily redshirt Creighton last year because we needed him more. Hmm. And so I think Creighton got his redshirt this year. I would love to see more of Creighton. I would love to see more of a QB a little bit more confident running the ball, but yeah. And, and that's what, and he definitely is right. Like the, the packages that, you know, former offensive coordinator, Matt hammer had right. drilled up for him were that when you saw Creighton Cooper and you knew that he was going to run the ball. And so very confident in that, you know, if you can just get that accuracy and that arm strength up, who knows? But, but for a sophomore, Bronson showed me what I needed to see this year. Yeah. He made big he, strides. He didn't turn over the ball. No, did a good job. He made plays when he needed to. And here's the other thing. We need we need to catch the ball. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I felt like this last game, uh, there were definitely improvements and they felt like there was an emphasis on securing the ball before Mm -hmm. trying to make the play up field. And when when that happened, it worked. Exactly. So that actually leads to my next question. Um, talking about the Bobcats secondary, it felt like it was a vulnerability, um, not just in this game, but throughout the season, because in the games where it was close for the Bobcats, it was quarterback play that really kept the other team in it. Mm-hmm. And, and if you look at the Northern Arizona game, if you look at the Eastern Washington game, those two games were really good quarterback play, keeping those teams in. And the Wildcats did have their success throwing the ball early uh, I think all touchdowns that the Wildcats scored came through the air. There weren't any scored on the ground. No, yeah. Three touchdowns through the air. So my question is, why didn't the Wildcats, they they had a 70% completion percentage, by the way, between Bronson Barron and Kylan Weiser. So why didn't the Wildcats go after throwing the ball a little bit more because they had uh, some good looks? Um, or do you just think that, you know, the, the, the pressure was blowing up some of that play because we saw a couple of sacks by Ty Okada. You know, he came through largely untouched on both of those, you know? So I don't know. Why, why did you, why did you think that they didn't throw the ball a little more? Um, I think that's it. And I think at some point, I mean, we saw Brunson leave. I think Brunson was hurt. Yeah, obviously. Cause he didn't come back and he's a tough kid. I think Brunson was hurt. And I think that he, he he is a tough kid. I think he probably tried to play it out. And they also are really good at ball control. Montana. So we had 20, we threw what the ball, what 26 times total. Yeah. 26 times. Yeah. Each quarterback was nine of 13. Um, so it's like 69.3% completion yeah. percentage, you know, it's about 70%. Yeah, uh, I'm not. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that's it is that we didn't and we aren't the air it out team. That's not. That's true. That's not who we are. And in the second half is when we needed to be that team. And it's hard to be that team. We don't have 
we have great wide receivers and Ty is an amazing wide receiver and Jacob Sharp is has shown vast improvement, but it's not like we have three or four down the line that that help and Hayes getting hurt is another one of those things that I think really was devastating because Hayes was that great little, was a great slot guy mm. that could just do so much and could be another pressure valve that could make a play happen. And him getting hurt was a huge difference maker. Yeah. Changed the calculus in a lot of ways. Right. Uh, although the emergence of John Christensen later in the season, you know, had some, some pretty big plays yeah. in this game and in a couple of others. And so, but um, what that whole means for the future, I don't know. I'm trying to find time of possession. That's what I'm after. I want time of possession because you're right. Montana State being a team that likes to run the ball, uh, they're going to control the clock a lot more, right? Like that's just a function of being a team who just grinds it out, right? And so that's something that they definitely did. Um, trying to get the actual number though here in the box score. And it is evading me as though it were Tommy Malott. <laughs> ah. More. Oh, here we wait, go. Position wait. time. Right here. So they had the ball for 38 minutes. We had it for just 21. So they nearly doubled us up in yeah. their time of possession. And that's just a function of them running the ball effectively because they had a lot of very sustained long drives that not didn't always end up in touchdowns. I think the defense did admirably, especially in the red zone of yeah. making them pay for mistakes because Montana state, I had a few of those, right. Where it's like, ah, they screwed up on first and 10. Now it's second and 10 and they're going to try this. And it was a stuff, you know, and like they were ready for it. They were, when they got behind schedule, the Wildcats made them pay in the red zone and they had, ended up just having to kick field goals. But we had to come back and score and we just couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's why, like I said, I wondered about the the pass game because looking at you know running the ball, the Wildcats were it was it wasn't a terrible day to run the ball. I mean, they had 124 yards net on the ground, but no touchdowns. It just it was a I think a slow day on the ground uh, compared to what was happening on the other side of the ball. Um, so it is what it is. Steven, now talking a little bit more about the Wildcat defense. Um, like I said, they gave up a ton of yards, rush yards, but pretty good job of getting stops when they needed to. And so kind of what what building blocks do you see there? Because we talked a little bit about the emphasis on containing the running quarterback, because that's probably a thing that you will see again. Tommy Mullah, I think, is a probably a, a sophomore next year. I, I don't think that um, last season really he didn't play in four games, so I don't think that it he... It counted. I think I have to go check, but you're definitely going to see him again next year. You're going to see him and you know what he does. You know exactly what he does and what he's about. Sean Chambers, I think this might be it for him. I um, think he's coming back. So he, and he may come to back too then. Yeah. And so if that happens, you know, that's a thing yeah. you'll see. Asher O'Hara, I don't know about him, um, but just the, the blueprint is out there. And right. so, but beyond that, what are some things that you saw in this game that kind of give you hope for things going forward? I have mine, but I want you to go first. Um, I think that you let's take a look at who we're returning. Yeah, you know, Tommy Ma is great, but we're returning Winston Reed. Yes. 
You're returning Winston Reed. You're returning Maxwell Anderson. You're returning LJ Anderson. You're returning Camden Garrett. And the guy that I was going to say is EJ Evett had some big moments in this game because Desmond Williams, unfortunately, was hurt in the final game as a Wildcat. That's a that's an unfortunate way for him to go out with the impact that he's had in the program. But EJ Evett had some big moments. But I mean, unfortunately, that Des that's his that's going to be his legacy. He unfortunately was always hurt. I, w- I would love to see a healthy Des Williams. It would be so amazing because he's such a good, he's such an amazing player, but yeah. the first time he he stepped on campus, he just unlucky. Yeah. I mean, obviously the torn ACL um, just, you know, but having him back when he was, when he was playing, obviously a huge impact, a team captain that says a lot about who Desmond Williams is. I'm excited to see a full year of Stephen Bryant. I'm excited to see Jack yeah. Kelly. I'm excited to see Zeke Birch. Yeah. Uh, there's other players that are down the line that I'm just that have come in that I'm excited to see. And we haven't and said Eddie Heckard's name either. Right. I mean, Eddie's coming back. Like, yeah. There is some really good players coming back for another year. And I think Nassim Coleman took Colvin took a really big step forward this season as well. He has a lot of big plays, especially early in the season. So nice to have him back as well on right. the defensive and, side. And again, I, in, I I believe in what this coaching staff has does, and this coaching staff is really, really, really good at finding transfers on the defensive end. On, on on the defensive side, I mean, I mean, so like, think about it. Stephen Bryant, L.J. Anderson, Desmond Williams, Desmond Williams. Um, I'm gonna. You can say Shad Pulsifer. You know, Shad was a was a guy that they just went and found, and they made him a defensive end, and he had an impact this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so there's a very long list of people that they've gone out and found. Um, that have done amazing things in the past. So I trust that they are going to have the ability to go out and find more people. Yeah. And especially with the, the, the portal right now is just crazy. So, you know, they'll probably have their pick, but talking a little bit more about seniors, um, this was the last game for a lot of guys. Yep. Ty McPherson, Josh Davis, Mark Collins, Justin Malone, Sione Lapuaho on the defensive line. And of course, we talked about Desmond Williams. There's just a few. So how do you think they're feeling about their college careers now that they've come to a close? Because I think a lot of those guys have a legacy. They've, they've got some rings that they're leaving. They obviously didn't win the national championship or get to play in the national championship the way that they had hoped. But only two teams get to do that every year. You know, and the Wildcats, you know, continue to progress. So looking back on it all, how do you think they're feeling now that it's all said and done? I mean, I think you've got to have some pride. Um, I think so too. I think you got to have some pride. And I mean, Ty McPherson goes back to uh, 2017 when uh, the SUU playoff game, I yep. sat in front of his family. Like Ty McPherson goes all the way back to that. Like that's a long, that's a nice long career. Josh Davis goes back a long time. Um, and I think you've got to walk out and you've got to have pride that you've left this program in a better place. You know, we, we went from never hosting to being a perennial bid. We should be a seed. We, we <laughs> and all the controversy that goes with that. <laughs> like we, that is, that is who we are now, who, where we, 
you know, we've got, we are a team that people are, that is a name now. It's like, okay, oh, wait, they're playing Weber State. When I got here eight years ago, we were not good. Sure. 2015, I, I got here February 2015. We weren't good. Yeah, so there's a low point. We, good. we had our that was the first I think I think fall of 2015 was our first year that we were like decent, but we didn't make the playoffs. Then we went out to your I think the next year we went out to your neck of the woods and and played Chattanooga. Yep, 2016 was the uh and then 2017 was when we started hosting. We we hosted the first round and like we just keep getting better. And I think we're going to just keep getting better. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of progression in the last five, six years. Um, 2019 being the high point playing in the in the semifinal. Um, a lot of this seeding, right? Like, I think the Wildcats were definitely the best unseeded team. Had the Wildcats landed someplace else on the bracket, they probably make it through the second round into the quarters. Now, quarters, it's all about matchups, and so you see what you get there. But had the Wildcats faced anybody other than SAC, South Dakota State, or or Montana State, um, they're probably in the quarters or thinking about maybe even making a run to the semis. You know, it's all about ups, right? And so. That's a whole nother show about yeah. how the, but I get it until there's money in the playoff, you're going to regionalize it. And we were always playing Montana state or Sac state. Those were the two teams we were playing. Yep. Um, so I, I agree with you. Like if you're looking back, if you're those players looking back on, on a career where the Wildcats were four time conference champions. Um, yeah. I mean, you got, you got to feel proud. You know, considering, like you said, where the program was at in 2015, even though that precedes, you know, all these guys pretty much. But from the excitement of 2017, now looking back in 2022, uh, a lot of progress has been made. Wildcats are a perennial top 10 team, usually, right? Like once the Wildcats started stacking up W's, they easily made it back into the top 10. You know, the the, the voters are very comfortable putting the Wildcats there. Now it's a, it's a place where they like to live and the Wildcats have a reputation for being a, a tough team. So a lot to like, obviously some things to work on though. And some, I mean, we've covered some of the the new guys that have come in, not last year or last year, but also, you know, coming in this year, some, some good recruits. And so we'll see what happens with the reload, but not a ton of guys leaving. Um, also, we should shout out Kevin Smith jr. Who had, a, you know, Tough career was it was a dude, an absolute dude, uh, but just hampered by injury. But we need to give a guy like that a shout out because Absolutely. when that when that guy was playing, man, like you know, you you go back to that 2017 season, like you could see why mm-hmm. he he put on the Wildcat uniform. Like he was just phenomenal. So um, one other thing I wanted to talk about here before we wrap this up and we go down memory lane is um, so the season's over. Um, there's been a lot of talk this week about coaching moves, you know, Deion Sanders leaving Jackson state now going to the university of Colorado, becoming the head coach there opportunities that that creates um, just stuff is moving as it always does in the off season. And as always Jay Hill's name gets thrown out there for a lot of different jobs. That's what happens. So, you know, here, Jeff Millard will answer your question here at Jeff asking in the chat, does coach Hill make a move? Let's talk about that right now. This is normal. This is a thing that we've seen often that, that Coach Hill, his name gets thrown out for jobs. Um, you know, 
the the seriousness of you know that is always just sort of well who's saying it um and so one of the jobs though right now that i think is on a lot of people's radar is um the dc job down in provo that's a job that folks have talking about that like hey ksl ran a, an article uh, a few days ago and he, i think it was six six guys nine guys i can't remember how many guys they put in that article uh, about this is the, these could be the next dc and you know couple of guys from Boise State, uh, a guy from Stanford, blah, 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 and then Jay Hill. But the thing was this, that article, the, the lead photo was Jay Hill. And so that tells me KSL thinks that he is the best candidate. And so, but what do you think of that? I mean, is, does Coach Hill, does he say, you know what, I've done enough. Um, I want to take the next step. I want to go up somewhere. I'm ready to do that finally. Or does he say, I don't like the jobs that are available to me right now. And he continues to be picky. Where do you think Coach Hill's at? Because some folks are saying like, oh yeah, he's going to Provo. I don't know why you would do that to yourself. (laughs) Because recruiting in Provo is a very different thing from recruiting basically any place else where you just got to get guys in and get them eligible. That's it. So There's an added measure there. So one... Coaches a lot of times like Weber because of our mission. Yeah. Where we don't have a mission, like because of, because basically you can get into the university. It gives us some flexibility to get into, to take some, some shots on people that maybe couldn't get into BYU. Yeah. So, So what Steven's talking about here, folks, if you didn't know, Weber State is a dual mission university. What that means is that Weber State plays the role of not just a university in the community, but also of a community college. You notice that there aren't a lot of community colleges around in northern Utah. That's because Weber State plays that role for the community. So that's why if anybody who applies to Weber State, you know, this is Colby Peterson included. Colby Peterson did not have great high school grades because he didn't take it terribly seriously. Weber State was a place where he got the opportunity. All he had to do was apply get your paperwork in order. They will take you. You may have to take some remedial classes, but it's an opportunity for you to prove yourself, which is exactly what I did. And uh, that's why I, I will always be more loyal to Weber State than any other alma mater that I may have. It's because Weber State was that place that gave me a chance. Weber State is also that for a lot of student athletes as well, mm-hmm. like you're saying, Stephen. So I think that's a big thing. I think the other thing is, let's be honest, does Kalani Sataki A, stay or B, have a very long leash if they start to f- struggle in the in the Big 12. A short, short leash. Yeah. So I think, so if you think he might leave, we can count on probably one hand the number of people that are qualified to coach, to, are, that are qualified to be the head coach at BYU. And Jay is on that. Jay is probably at the very top of that list. Very qualified. Very qualified meets their standards has shown he can win has shown he can win in difficult situations if i if i am jay first off jay if you're listening to this do what you need to do <laughs> what you need to do like i think you will <laughs> coach hills his own man get, i will support it no matter what You'll get no flack from me if you decide now's the time to move. You've given us so much. Yeah, I'm building a statue one way or another, so it doesn't matter. You've given us so much. I'm appreciative of the time you've given us. If if now's the time for you to move, you do what you need to do, and we I will support you. Um, on that end, I think that 
there have been opportunities that he hasn't, they probably hasn't taken. I'm not convinced this is a great, this is a great opportunity. I'm not convinced BYU is going to be very good. I just think that, like you said, with the restrictions that come with coaching there and recruiting, it's just, there are, there are places you could go where you would not have to deal with some of those issues and you just get to coach football, man. Just get to coach football. Don't got to deal with, you know, honor code junk or anything like that. But obviously it's up to the coach and his family. Uh, we will see. We've heard these rumors before. Like we said, uh, coach Hill's going here. He's going there. Um, we've heard a lot of that. So we will just have to see how things shake out in the, uh, in the coming weeks, but did want to address that the rumor mill was there. I guess uh, on um, 1280 of the zone today, there were, Folks saying that it was time for Coach Hill to go. And I'm like, what? Like, who? No Weber State fan is saying that. Okay. <laughs> we just want to make that clear. Like, no Weber State fan thinks that Jay Hill needs to leave. Jay Hill gets to stay as long as Jay Hill wants. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah, that was wild. But, Stephen, final thoughts on this year's 2022 Wildcat team before we get into our memories? Um, I'm proud of them. I'm proud. They, they faced some adversity at times and they've got some, they made some amazing memories and I'm excited to keep talking about it, but we, they, we should be proud of them. They should be proud of themselves and let's fire up for next year. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much where, where it's at folks. And so proud of you guys. Good bounce back season. Um, it's in your hands. Lots to work on. Look forward to spring ball and just kind of see how things shake out. So now let's turn our attention to our segment we're calling Thanks for the Memories, our our favorite moments or the best moments of the season. So I've got uh, quite a few options here for you, Stephen. You can list. uh, I wanted to ask you kind of how you felt about each of these. And so we'll just kind of go down the list here. I wanted to ask you right out of the gate, the best touchdown of the season what do you think it was? I'm going to cop out on this one. Every Abraham Williams kick return. They're all just watching him return. Those kicks was incredible. Um, he, it was, I didn't think we would find another Rashid Shahid, and oh, yeah. we found another Rashid Shahid. Like he might not break the record, but the fact that I don't see how he doesn't <laughs> like at this clip, I don't see how he doesn't. He should have had five this season. He should have had five. Like, the fact that he's electric. It's amazing to watch. It's amazing to get excited about. Okay, it's it. We've been so lucky for so long to be to be excited about kick returns. Like, yeah, it's electric. Yeah, I mean, um, you could pick any number of those. Um, I think probably the most impactful of those was maybe the one against Montana state the first time where it was like, Oh man. And then he comes back right back and gets, gets that one back. And it's like, Oh dang. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like what a great answer. Um, so that's, that's one of the ones I was thinking of. Yeah. For me, um, probably my favorite touchdown, the best touchdown of the year, probably that Josh Davis touchdown in the Utah state game, because when he, when he gets that one, I felt like it was at that point that I think wildcat fans started to believe like, Hey, we could win. And, um, 
you know, Mason Malin here in the chat talking about the Desmond Williams pick six in that same game. That was, that was a big touchdown as well, but just, I felt like at that moment when Josh Davis scored that touchdown, Wildcat fans started to believe like, Hey, we can win. Mm-hmm. And, um, and not only could we, could we win, but that also, I think set the Wildcats up in, in a certain mentality going forward to say like, Hey, we just beat Utah state, man. We can beat a, a lot of people. And they did. They absolutely did. Right. So for me, I think that's probably my favorite because I think it was kind of a catalyst to getting Wildcat fans to see the, the full picture of what this team could be. Uh, next up, the best turnover of the year. You know, Mason, you could put that one in there. You could say, hey, that's my favorite turnover of the year. Des, Des Williams is pick six in that Utah State game. Stephen, what about you? That, I thought of that one. We're going to go with another pick from that game. Okay. Maxwell Anderson's pick at the end of the first half when they're yeah. on the goal line, they're going to score and he pick and, and, and he intercepts. Yeah. And that is when I was like, Oh my God, we have a chance that let the air out of Utah state's balloon that pick to end the half. Cause they were driving, right? They were trying mm-hmm. to get seven more to give themselves a chance. Right. And, and like you said, Maxwell Anderson picks that ball at the goal line and mm-hmm. it's just like, deflates them and they just they never recovered right and that and that was amazing and that to me that while i love the pick sixes and i love seeing big men score and get you know get was it garrett beck that had a big man touchdown this year i love seeing it yes he did maxwell anderson's pick at the goal line was just massive it was it was Right before half, they're they're going to score and they didn't, and that let let that let us go into half with all the energy and all the the momentum. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that one was going to be mine, so we we both agree on that because, like I said, th- I feel like that Utah State game was so so pivotal because Wildcats, you know, had played the week before. Okay, you know, you're playing D two team, whatever it is, what it is, but man. Winning, winning that game and Logan really set the team up to big to be big. Uh, the most clutch play of the season. Steven, I'll give this one to you. I'm going to say it was the 69-yard TD pass from Bronson Barron to, uh, to tie in the third quarter of the Montana game to put us up. It was crucial. That was huge. That, you know, I... And there's any number of Ty McPherson very long touchdown p- plays that you could go to, but just tie because at times our offense struggled to make big plays, especially in the air. Yeah. And Ty had moments and Bronson had moments where it just looked amazing. And Montana is one of those teams that they are, they're good. They, they struggle. Yeah, they're, they're still really, really good. And, on any given day, I think they could beat any team in the FCS. And that was a massive moment to give us momentum and the ability to to run away with that game. Yeah, I mean, fair point. Because like you said, um, it really turns the tide. And, and it's the difference. You know, mm-hmm. it, it is the points that, you know, keep the Wildcats on top enough to pull out the W after taking the L in Bozeman the week before. I think, you know, if the Wildcats had lost to Montana, um, 
oh man, I don't know. That would have been that would have been tough because you know then the next week you have to play Sac State, and we talked all about that three week period where the the season was going to be decided. But uh, I think for me, I wanted to go back to the um, to the, the the Davis game because there were a lot of really really big moments in that game where it was just like, man, this could just like Davis was there. They were, they were so close so many times and the defense just came up big time after time after time. And so uh, just going back through and being like, what was probably the biggest, the biggest play? I think maybe right there at the end of the game, if you remember, um, Davis was close there at the end of the game. They had a chance. And so it, it all came down to, um, it all came down to a, to a, a pass from the Weber state 15. Right. So it was like, if they can score this touchdown, they can win the game. And I can't remember who, who it was that was, um, was guarding um, Chaz Davis. Uh, but the ball just wasn't there. and the DB, if, if it was Maxwell Anderson or if it was um, Eddie or Desmond, I can't remember who, but somebody in the secondary just like make sure that that, that goes away and that seals the game, right? The, it's the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, but it's like, I don't care. We just won the game. Like whatever, <laughs> like I'll take the stupid penalty. And I think there's any number of big. defensive plays throughout the season that we could that 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 we can mark as just massively clutch moments. Uh, I'm I mean I'm thinking of many times where we won by one possession and team was driving and we stopped them. Yeah, yeah, a lot of really big moments like that, right? And so that was just one that that, that stuck out to stood out to me. And, you know, I felt like you could point to a number of really key plays throughout a big game, but that one in particular was big because you'd say, Oh, Davis Colby, like they didn't even make the playoffs. Like you're right. They didn't make the playoffs. Should they have? I think they probably should have. Were they better than some of the teams like Gardner Webb that made the, yes, I think they were, but that one was, I think in my mind because it came at the end of the game and it was so crucial to the Wildcats pulling out a close victory, 17 to 12 against Davis in, uh, in Davis. So, now I want to go get a little bit sad here. I want to talk about the most heartbreaking moment of the season, Stephen. I mean, I, I think it's the fourth botch snap. I think it's the this is the one against Montana State. It's Montana State where you just like at that point in time, I was numb to it. But walking, having seen Grant walk off and just be just done and I I look here's the thing I'm a professor at the end of the day I'm here for the student part of student athlete and I just the emotion of just what happened you have a bad day um, yeah bad day you have a bad day and that was a epically bad day um and just seeing that and seeing people be like, Oh, he's not going to ride the bus home. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, come on guys. Like, he had a bad day. like, yeah, I, my heart broke for him. Like I was just, 
my heart broke for the team, but my heart broke for Grant. I think for me, the most heartbreaking moment this season, I think that it came later in that game when the Wildcats, they're driving. They have a chance to win this game, right? Bobcat fans are freaking out because Bronson is throwing the ball well. Um, He's stepping up in big moments. The Wildcats are converting fourth downs because their back is against the wall and they have to. And they're throwing the ball down the field. And I think Wildcat fans, they they believed because it was like, listen, they they really could win this game. And if they were to pull that game out and win in spite of all of, like you said, the bad snaps that day, um, just the the culmination of of a final game winning drive, like that's the stuff of legend. And I think the most heartbreaking moment was, you know, Bronson has T-Mac in the middle of the field. Um, He's got the first down. He just needs to catch the ball. And um, T-Mac goes for the win. You know, he's going for the touchdown. And so he turns his head early, drops the ball. I think at that point, there were like 25 seconds left. So if he had caught it, there would have been opportunity to run at least, I think, two plays, but probably at least three, if you're doing it right, to win the game. But he doesn't. He drops the ball. And when that happened, it was just like, oh. Because, you know, they really had a chance. They honestly had a chance to win the game and really put a scare into Montana State. And I mean, if that, and if that's, if that's what happens, the Wildcats are probably the four seed. You know what I and mean? There's another play in that game. Um, before, I believe, the first botch snap where Jacob Sharp gets hit in the chest. And is gone, is gone. If he, it's a touchdown. Yeah. Drops the ball. It's fourth down. That's the first botch snap, and that was this a big yeah. momentum shift there. Yep, the drop passes are have been rough. I like it's, and and hopefully that's another thing that we go back on and we look at and we focus on and we focus on. You know what? We don't need to be doing 75-yard touchdowns. Focus on 10 yards at a time. Catch the ball, go down. And once we're catching the ball consistently, now we can start running after the catch. But catch the ball. Yeah. Uh, Honorable mention, I guess, if we're going to talk about heartbreaking moments, when Hayes Hadley was injured and had to come off the field. I think that was a, that was a big thing. And, and Hudson Skank did a great job returning punts for the rest of the season, you know, thumbs up to him. I think he did a great job. You know, the, the return touchdown, the punt return for a touchdown in, in Montana state or in Bozeman against Montana state in the first game. I uh, thought that was really, really clutch, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, man, I just, uh, man, when he, when, when Hayes got hurt though, it was just like, Oh man. Cause like you said, that was really working. I mean, he was mm-hmm. he was really cooking. All right, we're gonna end this on a happy note though, because I was like, man, I can't end on the most heartbreaking note. Like that sucks. So I want to flip the script. I want to go. What's your happiest moment of the season? All right. So well, you- I'm gonna cheat and I'm gonna do two. All right, fair I'm, enough. He's doing two. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do two. So my first one is going to be the support from the fan base that Grant Sands got right before the Montana game. Um, just. I've never heard a long snapper cheered. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I've never heard a long snapper cheered, and that warmed my heart. Game-wise, though, my happiest moment, beating USU. 
Like, I, I don't think we can top that. Like, just the sheer joy of just celebrating in Logan and USU fans being like, nah, you guys, you, you guys earned that one. Like, you're good. Like, you celebrate. Like, that was fun. Yeah, they were, I think, more frustrated with their own mm-hmm. team at that point, you know, and it was less about Wildcat fans because, you know, obviously the, the Wildcats hadn't won since 1978. Uh, they had not beat Utah State, so it wasn't like some big rivalry. You know what I mean? It was just like, man, and the Wildcats go in and win in commanding fashion, 35-7, to 7, which, by the way, Utah State is bowl eligible. They will be playing in Frisco for the Frisco Bowl, which I think is the, I think that's where they played Jordan Loves last season, didn't they? I don't but, but anyway, um, so for me, happiest, one, well, that, that was one. So what, did you have a second one, though? Oh, it was the Grant game. Okay, cheer. so 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 Grant game cheer plus the Utah State win. Those are those are the two. Yep. All right. I think for me, the happiest moment, man. Um, there were a lot of really good moments this season. Uh, obviously, just clutch moments where the Wildcats came up big, got big stops, um, big touchdowns. We talked a lot this season about how. You know, for a time, Bronson and T-Mac had that fade on lock. You know, whenever you needed that touchdown, it was there. And so there were a lot of really, really big moments. The happiest moment, though, man, beating Montana this year. And it might sound dumb because it's like, really? Like, that was like not even the biggest game. But I think that the reason that it was big was because if the Wildcats had lost that game, there they could potentially go oh and three against that stretch that we had talked about. And I just wasn't that just wasn't acceptable. You know what I mean? Like it would have been just kind of a buzzkill. But winning that game and holding off the Grizz and kind of like gut checking them because that put them down bad at that point, right? Because they had lost to Idaho, they had lost to Sac State, they lost to us. Like that really kind of did a number, I think, on them mentally. Mm-hmm. And so that win, obviously, like the, you know, averting crisis of going 0-2 against the meat of your schedule. And of course, beating the Grizz and Ogden, always a good feeling um, and keeping that streak alive just felt awesome, man. And so it was just a, a nice, a nice joy and a nice relief to see that. Uh, and just also side extra thing. It was nice hearing Maxwell Anderson's name called for a good portion of the season as a candidate for the Buck uh, Buchanan. You know, it's a difficult award to win as a DB, but if you were listening to national FCS podcasts throughout the year, Maxwell Anderson's name was being thrown out there often as a potential finalist. Obviously that's not, that ended up not happening, but it was talked about quite a bit. Folks were paying attention to what Maxwell Anderson was doing. And uh, you can be sure that if folks across the country were paying attention, NFL scouts are probably paying attention as well. Absolutely. So uh, good season, man. Um, looking up at the the remaining schedule, we'll just kind of talk about the matchups that remain in the playoffs. So um, we got three games on Friday and then one game on Saturday. So Friday, uh, we'll start with the number six. Stanford takes a trip to... Uh, far North Dakota State. That ma- that game will be at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, ESPN Plus. Then number five, Bill and Mary, William and Mary take on Montana State in Bozeman, 8:15 p.m. Um, Mountain Standard Time on ESPN Plus. 
man, eight fifteen in Bozeman on Friday night. That is going to be that's like main game cold. That's going to be like yeah. if you if you folks got, if you guys remember the main game in twenty eighteen, it's probably going to be like that. Just cold. brutal cold. cold. So man, that was such a brutal game. Yeah. Um, then uh, the nightcap uh, number seven incarnate word goes to Sacramento to face number two Sac State. That game begins fifteen minutes after the Montana State game. Uh, 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, ESPN+. Plus. Then Saturday, the, the only game that remains, um, Holy Cross, who I made clear that I wasn't a believer in, but they had a really big win against... Um, oh, shoot. Against uh, UNH, New Hampshire. I think weather had a factor to do with that, but whatever. Uh, it is what it is. You got you, you to play the game that's in front of you. The, Holy Cross takes the trip to Brookings to play South Dakota State. That, they're, that, both cold, they're both cold weather team teams they're not far from each other yeah yeah because like holy cross is in western massachusetts right so it's like it's not it's not like they don't play in the cold it's cold it's maybe a three hour it's not even three it's maybe an hour and a half or two separating at best Be- between holy cross and south dakota state no holy cross in new hampshire oh right right right. yeah yeah, yeah for sure well, like, no, no 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 <laughs> oh and i mean Yes, the weather is going to be colder in South Dakota State, but I put that more like Maine coming to us. Maine plays in cold weather. Like Yeah, yeah, they did, right? Like, like they were ready it, for that. The, it's different than William and Mary going to Bozeman. going to going to Bozeman. That's a fact. William and Mary does not have as much cold weather experience as Holy Cross does. Like Mass is cold. Like moisture yeah. can get cold. Yeah, so they will take the trip to uh, Brookings to face number one South Dakota State. That game is at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, ESPN Plus. Um, last note here, uh, coming in from the chat from Mason Malin, um, he's saying this is late, uh, but it was re- I was really happy to see Josh Davis get one good last game in against North Dakota after all the injuries. He's a great Wildcat. 100% agree. Good to see Josh Davis get an opportunity. He had a great day, great game against against the Fighting Hawks, and. Um, Good way to see him go out. Obviously, he played in Montana State game, and that was a thing, but a really good game against the Fighting Hawks and a nice cap to um, uh, an all-time career at Weber State. Yep. So that's it, man. That's the wrap on our football coverage this season. Um, email us, weberstateweekly, gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon, and the blog. Um, yeah, man. We'll start up hoops content now going forward, and uh, tomorrow night we'll also do some volleyball. We'll wrap up volleyball as well. And put the button on that, and then uh, it'll be hoops for a couple of months, and then we'll also be starting up softball coverage in February. So, Stephen Salmon, want to thank you, man, for taking the time to chat some football with me this uh, this tonight and this season. I'll wrap it up like we always do, man. Weber State, Weber State. Great, great, great. Go Wildcats. <laughs>